I love boxing movies. In every boxing movie, the protagonist goes through a ton of adversity. They, they, they often you know, are coming from some kind of brokenness or experience some kind of tragedy. And there's this um, self-discipline and self-imposed suffering. There's also like real world suffering that's existing in their lives and that they have to push through. And, um, and, they're, and they're almost always like a come from behind kind of victory. And there's a moment in like every single boxing movie where the protagonist is on the mat and he's bloodied and bruised. And it's, it's interesting because as a movie, you're like, I know what's gonna happen, but the filmmakers are so good that I find myself sitting there in, you know, in the final 10% of the movie somewhere where this protagonist is on the mat after all their training, all their workouts, all their dieting, all the coaching, you know, whatever. And, and, and you know, you, you know what they're capable of, but they haven't done it yet. And so you're on edge. You know what they're capable of, what's, what's, what's in them, the potential that is in them, but that it hasn't manifested yet. They actually need to get up and swing and win. And there's this moment, like I just, that, that I, that, that I do every single time I watch a boxing movie, like they're on the mat and I'm like under my breath going, get up, get up, get up, you know? And, and it's like, I'm, I, I, it's so interesting because I'm so in it, suspending my disbelief that I just, like I'm, I'm on edge, right? And they get up and they win. And it's, there's this cool thing that happens. This is one of the reasons I like boxing movies. As soon as the movie's over, I'm like, I can do anything. Like I'm filled with so much hope. If that guy, if Rocky could do this, I can do anything, you know? That's not like my friend, that's not me. It's a fictional character, but even just the story of somebody enduring through suffering and coming out the other side reveals this kind of metal, this kind of character that, that gives me so much hope. It's like fuel and I can do anything. Tonight we're going to talk about hope and, and kind of that process a little bit that like a boxer goes through in a boxing movie. It's kind of the way Paul talks about the substance and source of the, so much of our confidence and hope today in the book of Romans chapter 5. In the last few weeks we've been walking through hope and we talked about Jesus being the source and substance of our hope and, and then how if we don't hope and instead we're in despair we, we not only feel alienated from the love of God, but our roots don't grow deep and our trunk doesn't grow strong and tall. We're tossed to and fro by waves if we don't hold fast to our hope. Last week, we looked at the, the, the promises that God has in store for us, the, the sort of content and substance of our hope in the future. That one day, because of Christ's resurrection and Jesus reigning on the throne, the things that we have in store for us produce an enormous amount of hope for us. But tonight, the thing that produces the most amount of hope for us is when the things that we ultimately hope for become manifested now. When Jesus, when your kingdom and your will are, are present with us on earth today as they are in heaven, when you and I, friend, begin to look more like Jesus, our hope is alive and we don't have to despair any longer. Let's pray and we'll get into our text for this evening. Father, would you send your spirit that the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts of each one of our hearts would be holy 
and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Finish the work you start in us and give us hope tonight. Amen. All right, friends, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Paul's been talking about the ways in which we're made right with God. It's a big big word in, in uh, church history and in, in Christian theology called justification. That's largely what he's been talking about here. And he's about to turn a corner and, and to talk about, since we've been justified in Christ, um, what are the benefits of that? What, what are the things that we get what are, what are the, the things which mark our lives? What, what's the fruit that's born when we are made right with God, right? That's kind of the corner he's about to turn, and this kind of dances in that space. But Romans chapter 5, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, any translation you have is great. Um, but here we go, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, friend, you are not made right with God because of what you do. And you're not made, you don't lose your, your relationship with God in Jesus because of things you don't do either. Our, our, our status with God is secured for us in Christ Jesus by grace, sheer grace. And we access this through faith, which is a gift given to us to go back to the earlier sermons in this very series where we spend four weeks talking about faith. That's a whole other category that is some of the bedrock of what it means to follow Jesus is to know that we are brought into a relationship with God, a saving relationship with God by faith or by grace through faith. Not because of anything we do or don't do. Paul thinks that by chapter 5, he's already nailed this argument. So if you want to know how he builds it, check Romans 1 through 4, okay? Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. He's going to press that, press it, put his foot on the pedal even more here. Because of our faith, which is a gift, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. See again, grace. The privilege that we have as followers of Jesus, we cannot boast about because of our works. It's not because of our purity, our abstinence, uh, the fact that we haven't done drugs or drank or didn't cuss or, we, or the fact that we read the Bible or go to church or, or our intellect or our intelligence or, or our emotional wherewithal or our pedigree. None of that stuff secures our rightness with God. The privilege that we have as sons and daughters of God is free. It is undeserved, even though you're worth it. It is undeserved. You're just worth it. Because God wants to give it to you freely in His Son. Where we now stand as followers of Jesus in this undeserved privilege, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Other translations would say we look forward to the hope of God's glory, hope is actually in the Greek, shows up right here. This translation doesn't use the word hope. We're talking about hope tonight. There's hope that we have because of the relationship that we have with God now in Jesus. 
Because we know of the relationship we have with God in Jesus Christ, we have hope. And that one day, this goes back to last week's sermon, that one day we will uh, hold with our eyes and with our hands the promises of our inheritance in Jesus Christ. The hope of glory is that our bodies will be resurrected, that the mortal will don immortal qualities, that we will live forever and ever in a new heavens and a new earth. Paul says we rejoice in those things. That really is some of the substance of our hope. We rejoice in those things. But note, for the sake of our our sermon tonight, the turn he makes next. Because we can rejoice too. We rejoice also. So these last two weeks on hope, I've I've kind of framed it this way, that we have hope not only in things to come, which Paul's just mentioned and we talked about last week, We also have hope in the way things are present now, the ways in which God's kingdom shows up now in our lives. Listen to this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. If I said to you, Paul's in verse three, and it was like a fill in the blank worksheet or something, we can rejoice too when blank, I swear to you, none of us would write when we suffer. Or when we run into trials, or in the Greek, there's this notion of pressure. When we are, when we experience pressure, when we experience constraints, when we experience this kind of uh, this kind of stressful pressure upon our lives, this oppression in our lives. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. I can't think of the last time I asked somebody about their spiritual life or about their love, about their character. When I've asked them what they want or how they want to grow, I haven't heard anybody say endurance. And maybe that's a weird, that'd be a weird thing to say. But it, it, it right now seems a little bit striking because I do think when I ask athletes some of the things that they want, they want endurance. Heck, I know college students who, they have ambitions to have more endurance in drinking But what would it look like to say, you know what I want to grow in is my ability to endure. Paul says we can rejoice in the midst of these trials and and sufferings because we know that they help us develop endurance. Friends, just for a minute, what would it look like if when you experience discomfort or suffering or trials, you went, ooh, this can help me. I'm going to keep going. We'll come back to this, right? They can help us develop endurance. Verse 4. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. There it is. We'll talk more about hope as we round it out in verse 5 in a minute. But notice this progression. Okay, I don't know left to right. I don't know what works for you, but I'm going to go my left to right here, okay? That sufferings... Within sufferings, what can happen is they can, sufferings can help us produce endurance. And endurance produces in us a strength of character. And, and when our character is strengthened, we end up having more confident hope. Sufferings can help us endure. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. How can I have hope if I do not see myself changed? Like, you know, like when you like try to get healthy or work out or, or when you, 
you know, are trying to learn a new skill, like a, a language or something, or you're trying to figure out how to do some ma manual labor thing. Maybe you're taking a watercolor class or something. I don't know. If you never see any development, doesn't it produce despair? If you've been working out, dieting, working out, whatever you're doing for months, and you notice no change in your body, doesn't it make you want to give up? But when, you're, when you look in the mirror once and you get, or you get on the scale, or you look in the mirror, or, or, or better than either of those things, when you just feel better, which is ultimately most important, is that your body is actually healthy, not just the vanity side of it and the way culture pressures you, but actually you go, you know what, I, this has actually been true for me in the past couple of days because uh, a friend of mine's getting trying to get really healthy right now and I was like, well... I need it too. So I've just started drinking like crazy amounts of water. And one of the first questions he asked me is, do you feel better? I said, yeah, I do. I actually feel a lot better. So motivating, you know? But if I'm pounding all this water day after day after day, and I, and I feel no difference and I see nothing different, I just move to despair. Like it's, it's a natural reward that we expect from our enduring something hard. I know it's kind of silly to talk about endurance with regards to drinking water, but like, so, so fill the blank in with ways in which you're enduring in your life. What we want to see is some manifested fruit from our endurance. Without it, we don't have confident hope, but just a glimmer of it. Just a slight change in our abilities. I'm able to do something I wasn't able to do just moments ago or, or months ago or weeks ago or something. It, it, it produces in you hope that if that's possible, what else is possible? But the only way that happens is through endurance which is a bit tricky because you and I live in a culture where we, our culture does, this own, does its own discipleship work. We live in a culture that has its own messaging that's teaching us things. And one of the main messages of our culture is that uncomfortability is evil. That discomfort is oppression. That any suffering we experience, we shouldn't experience and we should get out of. That's the culture we live in. At, the, at their time, probably one of the dominant, at the, the New Testament time, one of the dominant views probably would have been the Stoics, these Greek philosophers, who, who they didn't try to escape suffering. They wanted to show how unfazed they were by it. They were cool, calm, and collected in the midst of their suffering. Not so for the Christians. We are not cool and calm and collected in the midst of it. If you need proof of that, look at Jesus as he engages his own suffering. He's not stoic. In our, in our culture today, we are also not people who run and escape from suffering. Again, look at Jesus. We are people who look at, who square our shoulders to suffering, who look at it in the face and we don't get through it. We don't just tolerate it. We don't run from it. We say, Lord, what is, what is it that you have to teach me in the midst of it? What if this is an opportunity? What if this suffering can help me learn endurance? And by learning endurance, it's how I get to participate in the way that you grow my character, which is ultimately what produces hope for me today. And without that hope, you know what I feel. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I feel despair. How many of us in our culture feel despair? Don't you know, Christian? That our world is starved for hope. 
And so we need, like we talked about last week, better promises that awaken our hope and make us long for greater things. Yes, but we also need signs of hope today. And that comes about primarily through the transformation of our character into Christ-likeness. That Paul says to his second letter to the Corinthians, that God is at work to transform us by degrees into the likeness of Christ. The word for character here in Greek is, is a strange word um, to translate character. I think it's a good one, but it, it actually is a word that would have been used to talk about like um, the, the metal that's forged through fire of a sword. Like, so, so like that a, sword, a piece of metal has been put into fire and folded and pounded and cooled and put into fire and then folded and pounded and cooled. And it's gone through this process over and over again until impurities are worked out of it. And the potential that was within it is now honed and manifested. And what's left is something that's been produced only through the fires of some kind of suffering, some kind of pounding, some kind of pressure. And Paul talks about us like that, that what can be produced in us is something through fire that comes out the other side. And I think back to that boxer. Would you watch, a, how, how excited would you be, how interested would you be in watching a boxing movie where the boxers just kept giving up because they said the workout's too hard? Or I'm tired and so I'm gonna go back to my old life. Or they laid on the mat and they said it's too much and they just gave up. That would be a real story for a lot of us, for sure. But you know what that story won't produce? It won't produce hope. But if that person goes back into the fire, who, and who wants to be bloody? Who wants to be broken? Who wants to be hit in the face, you know, sort of realistically or metaphorically, in like a boxing movie? Nobody wants that. But when that boxer is standing there in the end, and you go, I knew what was in you, and, and now I see it. It's not just potential anymore. It's been forged and, it, and, it, and it's been produced now. It came out of you and it's alive and it produced fruit and victory. Now we have hope that we didn't have before. Now we have fuel that we didn't have before. And if you had given up short of the end, you moved to despair. And, and this, I'd be careful, this isn't in my notes and I wanna, um, I don't wanna go on forever in, in this kind of format tonight. Um, I think there's a misconception a lot of us have. I guess this is going to be kind of silly to try to draw this out on YouTube. But um, if you can see this, I don't know if you can see this on this screen here, okay? This is just a, a simple drawing of like a hill, okay? A lot of us, when we think about growing, when we think about enduring, when we think about um, change in our lives, what we focus on, I'm going to circle this, is right here at the bottom of the hill. We're going in a certain direction. We're like, you know what? We need to be there. And so I'm going to make the decision right now to turn the corner. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to abstain from some really unhealthy or sinful habits. I'm going um, to start um, trying to be more forgiving with my roommates. I'm going I'm to pray for those who persecute me more. Whatever it is, we actually think that this is the hard work. That the change is the hard work. But friends, if you're biking up a hill, where's the hardest time? Right there. I don't know if I can draw a circle while I'm holding this, but that's actually the hardest moment. It's right near the top. And a lot of us give up somewhere in the middle here. We, we sort of make a decision to change, but we don't endure. 
James, the, the, the uh, uh, New Testament author James invites us to let endurance have its full effect. There's something going on. God's taking us to school in the midst of suffering. Learn, James says. Let it have its effect. When you've made the decision to be healthy, when you've made the decision to try again, when you've made the decision to get up off the mat, it's going to get harder, not easier. But we have the opportunity to develop endurance. It's not a one-time gift. It's something that grows incrementally. And as it grows, our character gets produced. And when our character gets produced, we have hope. So here's the invitation, Christian. If you want more hope in your life, endure. Don't run from suffering. Don't be stoic in the midst of suffering. Let endurance have its effect and watch God work. It's a strange sales pitch, isn't it? Paul continues in verse 5, and he says, This hope will not lead to disappointment. It's not hope from the world. It's not the cultural hopes. This hope that God has given us about the future and in the present will not disappoint us. For we know how dearly God loves us. Why do we know God loves us? Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Christian, if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. If you desire things, because I know some of us panic about this. Some of us have gone to like churches that are off the rails talking about how some Christians don't have the Spirit and some do, and here's how you know, and it's bonkers theology. And don't listen to that crap. If you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. There are no Christians without the Holy Spirit. If you desire things of God's kingdom, which are impossible to do without the Spirit of God being at work in you, take heart. If you feel convicted about sin, take heart. I know that's a strange way to tell you to, to take heart. It's what the scriptures say because the Spirit of God leads us in convicting the world by, about sin and righteousness and judgment, Jesus says. If you feel convicted about sin, if you desire the things of God, if you want to grow in Christ's likeness, take heart. The Spirit of God is already at work in you. And if the Spirit has begun a work in you, God will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord. I promise you, in the name of Jesus, that is true. Take heart. What he starts, he finishes. If you do not desire to grow in Christ's likeness, if you don't desire God's kingdom, then I pray that the Spirit of God would be poured out upon you and that you would learn to desire things of God's kingdom and want to grow in Christ's likeness, that you would come to know the love of God that he has for you in Christ Jesus. But if you believe in Jesus and if you want things of his kingdom, even if it's hard for you to do it, even if you're weak, even if your muscles have atrophied or they've never really developed, even if you keep being beset by sins, if you... If you if you believe in Jesus as Lord and, and, and an inkling of desire for his kingdom has begun to be birthed in you, take heart, friend. It is all by grace. It is all by grace. It is all by grace. And God will finish what he starts. But I want to try to get a little more practical. So if you've got a Bible, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. It's a little bit to the right, like this far in my Bible. Um, Galatians chapter 5, where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit of God. 
So, so the hope that God gives us will not disappoint because God's going to finish the work that he starts. And we know this because God has poured out his spirit in us, but I want you to see what things look like because this is what you should begin to see as you endure. When, when, when Paul talks about the character of Christ being produced in you, this is what it will look like. It won't, yeah, this is what, I'll just read this. Verse 22 of chapter five of Galatians. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what it looks like when the Spirit of God is bearing fruit in our lives. Over the past 13 years that my wife and I have been married, which isn't long, We've only been married 13 years so far. And a couple of things have happened as it relates to this. We've both discovered in ourselves and in the other depths of sin that we had no idea about. But we've also seen the way Christ has grown each of us by degrees of glory, inklings of, of, of patience, Joy in the midst of circumstances that, that, that 20 years ago would have been impossible to imagine joy in. Gentleness, where neither of us or one of us didn't used to be gentle. Kindness. Our world right now does not promote kindness as a virtue. It's like a weakness. The fruit of the Spirit is one of the fruit, or one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Where have you exhibited, Christian, self-control? And not because it was a mutually beneficial thing to exhibit. Like if I was self-controlled here, I might get something later. But I just bit my tongue for a minute for love. I was kind when I didn't have to be. I was patient in something that the world tells me I don't have to be patient in. This is the work of the Spirit of God in you. It's not growing wings and levitating off the ground. It's not these miraculous displays of power that show that you're better than everybody else. It's a way of life that looks like Christ that makes you more like Him. That, 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 that and, 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 how did Christ show us the heart of God but by pouring out himself and taking on the nature of a servant and calling us friends, loving his enemies, praying for those who persecute him, taking the meek way? When you endure through suffering, begin to keep an eye out for love. Look for where joy shows up in surprising places and peace in a strange moment and kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. This is what the Spirit of God's work will look like in our lives. And friends, I gotta tell you, there's nothing in this life that will give you more hope than you seeing God's work alive in you. I used to think it was in my friends, because this is true. When my friends give up and they're suffering through hard things, and, they, and maybe you can identify with this, when my friends give up, it's really hard to hope. 
And when my friends hold fast, when they endure in the midst of suffering, and they hold, last night I was in a conversation with a dear friend who has gone through a monster of a year. COVID dynamics had nothing on how hard this year was for them. I, I don't know anybody. I'm sure there are stories out there, friends. I don't personally know anybody who has had a harder year than my friend I was talking to last night. And, and she kept talking about how she knows God loves her and that he's going to work all things for good in the end. And that she, she casts her family and her kids and her life into his care. And when she is able to say those things, I'm like, man, I feel like watching Rocky on a mat. If she can get up and she can say that, I, I can do it. I got this tonight. And so I came into my core group last night swinging. You know, like I was ready to go because of her hope. I used to think that was it, but it's actually not true. The greatest source of hope is when we begin to see that God's love has actually been birthed and grown in us, in you and me. What would it look like, friends, if you began to see Christ do his work in you, that you, be, you began to look more like Jesus? This, after all, is what it means to be a disciple of him. To be a student of Jesus, which is what the word disciple means, doesn't just mean that you agree with him, that you talk about him, that you promote him. That's not what it means. It means that you become like him. If this is true, and I think it is, it is, one of the greatest sources of despair for Christians in the world today is that they do not look like Jesus. And the reason they don't look like Jesus is because they keep trying to escape suffering rather than enduring through it. Which, on the other side, if you want hope to be born and to grow, then your role and my role is to learn to endure and to let endurance have its full effect. And as we do it, the Spirit of God will grow in us the character of Christ-likeness by degrees of glory, and we will begin to have a confident hope because we will see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven today. So Christian, I want to look at you and I want to say, get up, get up, get up off the mat and endure it's so much easier if we do it together and not alone. So talk to your friends about it. Come talk to somebody on our staff so we can pray with you and walk with you through the ways that you're enduring. We call it endurance because it's not easy, okay? It's hard. The cost of not enduring is our hope and that's like everything in this life. If you're watching this with a couple of friends right now live or wherever, if you're watching it with some friends, I want you to talk about two things right now after this. I'm about to pray in a second. I want you to talk about like what makes it hard to endure in this world? What makes it so hard to endure? And where have you seen God make you more like Jesus? I'm not asking you to boast about yourself, friends. I'm saying let's boast in Jesus. Where I'll, I have become less judgmental since I followed Christ. And it is so freaking freeing. I have very little judgment anymore for anybody. I just love people, and I, which is crazy. If you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram one who's not very judgmental. It's weird. It's super weird. Christ has set me free. 
And I'm so grateful to that. That's just the beginning. I, there's so many more things I can share. What is one way that Christ has been at work to make you more like him? What makes, what makes it hard to endure? What's one way Christ has been at work to make you more like him? I want you to pray for each other. If you're not a Christian, obviously you can't share that second thing, but like, I hope that hearing other people share will, will, will nourish your own hope and that, you, that, that the Spirit of God will be at work to birth in you belief in Jesus. If you're watching alone online and you're live, we've got a Zoom group, which is our website slash Zoom. And we'd love to just have a breakout group with you there and talk about the same things and pray together, okay? Christian, get up. Get up, get up off the mat. Father, would you send your spirit right now like you have been doing from the beginning, pouring out your spirit and love for us, equipping us to endure in the midst of suffering and to rejoice as we do this because we can trust that you are at work to produce in us a kind of character that looks like our Lord, the most compelling person in all of history, the one who has compelled and convicted our hearts, the one who we are enamored with and that we love, the one who, the one who all history points toward and who stands above all history and before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess he is God. Make us more like him by grace through faith. And as we do this, May you make us a people of hope in the midst of a world of despair. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. Good night, friends. I love you.